0: everybody welcome to America. my name is bing Futch. thank you very much for joining me it is the month of may here in 2022 and it is time for our advanced level study of rhythm the building blocks of rhythm the foundation of groove here on the mountain dulcimer we've already looked at a beginner level approach cadences to help us develop all these different note durations and how we can mix them together in different rhythms we went to our intermediate level we talked about selective strumming, and we also talked about how to actually create strums that will work well with a piece of music, knowing that every single piece of music has its very unique melodic rhythm and how we can incorporate that and add to it to keep things groovy. This week we're going to look at a lot of different things for our advanced level students, including embellishments and mixing of styles when we're strumming. We can just strum or we can strum and arpeggiate we can go back and forth between arpeggiating and uh, flat picking and then come on back and do some more strumming. We can mute, we can hammer on, we can pull off, we can do a lot of really flashy things. And so flashily together we will decide uh, how we're going to mix things up in this episode of Dulce America. So before we go any deeper I want to say, in case you didn't know, that all of these Dulce America episodes are brought to you basically by my patrons on Patreon. This is a wonderful group of people who has been deeply supportive of my work. And we're a fun community. We do a lot of very, very interesting things every single week. And uh, I like to say hello to one of them right now, Emily Zapek. Emily, thank you so much for being a patron. And I understand that during this crazy time we've been in this past couple of years with uh, the pandemic and whatnot, that a lot of folks had their own things happening at home. And so some people had to leave Patreon, but also, Those people would come back when things got a little easier at home. I totally understand how that goes. And uh, not only have so many of my patrons remained all through this time, which has been great to help me survive (laughs) all this stuff that's been going on, uh, but also a number of people who left have also come back uh, just because the timing was right. So don't worry about it. If you do sign up, that you can always cancel, there's no contract involved, you can cancel anytime and you can come back anytime and all of that stuff that's in the archive will still be there waiting for you. So Emily, I wanna thank you for being there and I wanna thank all of my patrons for being there every single day uh, because truly, you are a part of my art and you make this process happen, you make the CDs happen and, and so many other things. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your support and for your encouragement. If you'd like to check out Patreon on your own, go down here to patreon.com slash bingfutch. Go to, uh, we'll scroll down a little bit, and then go to the open house section. In the open house section, you'll find a lot of downloads, all kinds of stuff, stuff from my CDs, my books, videos, all kinds of unpublished material. It's all there for free for you to download. And if you enjoy it, please do consider becoming a patron like Emily and the rest of my wonderful crew are always, always up to something. Thanks again, Emily, and thank you again to all my patrons. Let's dig down deep now into things that we can do in the advanced level. So we know that we've got the quarter note, eighth note, sixteenth note. Those are our busy notes, right? Those three notes, those three note durations, or beat durations, are largely a combination of what we'll be using when we're playing Uh, a lot of tunes, especially the up-tempo, fiddle tunes, very energetic things. So let's look at mixing these things up and uh, different approaches that we can use to that. First of all, the cadence is a great thing. Because it shows us the relationship between the quarter notes, the eighth notes, and the sixteenth notes. When we're playing fiddle tunes, largely, You'll see people like me and Steven Seaford, maybe Butch Ross, and watch our right hands. And even though we're playing a piece of music that may have a very laid-back melody, you know, maybe something like I'll Fly Away, you know, the melody's not moving lickety-split. A melody that's full of 16th notes and craziness, right? What's backing that song up though is it's got a bluegrass gospel background so it's moving along. This is a song that you could dance to. So there's a lot of 16th note energy in the rhythm to the tune that we can't transfer to the melody because the melody needs to be what it is. Strong, sturdy, and mellow. And so often I'll use something like uh, selective strumming that we talked about in our intermediate level episode last week. So we have our melody and we don't want to mess with that. And it sustains a couple of times. Right now it's moving. No assistance need right there. No assistance needed. But here, uh, let's sustain. Fly uh. That's moving, not a big deal. And then, way. That's a nice big sustain. We don't want to chop that up into something like this. We don't want to do that. That's too much. So we have to sort of ignore the melody while it's sustaining and focus on doing whatever fill-in rhythms we're going to do. You can choose whatever you like just kind of flesh out that area, that sustaining. Typically, eighth notes are going to do it with a little 16th note kiss at the end, you know. Usually an eighth note kick in the pants will do it. I like to do like a four and, one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, and if we're shuffling it, if we're not shuffling it, one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, and one. At the end of a measure, a little giddy up and go is good. But straight fours is sometimes exactly what we need to put everything together. So let's do this. I want to get some activity behind I'll Fly Away without messing with that melody. So let's start with one strong per melody note and then I will kind of bring other things in here. So what I'm doing there is I'm focusing on the melody. When the melody is moving, I'm giving one strum per melody note. If I have time, I'm coming back and adding a little bit of counterpoint on the bass string. Let's take a look at just the first part. Dum bum bum bum. Okay? That those are quarter notes. Okay? So what am I adding there? Just to add a little bit of something in between the markers. I'm adding 8th note counterpoint on the bass. Okay, so I'm coming back against the bass string to add a little counterpoint. It doesn't interfere with the melody, it doesn't sully the melody, it doesn't add or take away from the melody. What it's doing is providing a counterpoint. Dip boop da boop da boop You get two things going dip boop dip boop dip boop. That's rhythm right there. That is something that you can groove to. Whereas bum 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 bum, there's something different going on there where maybe you're not exactly sure how to move, but dum dunch, dunch, dunch. That's like the afterbeat, that's like a snare drum or a cymbal or something, or a tambourine. So it's that that we respond to, it's that afterbeat, even though technically, in 4-4 four, four time, beats 2 and 4 would not be considered an afterbeat, it would be considered beats 2 and 4. But, if we're coming down on the downbeat of 1, and then doing another strong beat on 3, well then we can consider maybe two and four to be weaker beats. And by accenting the weaker beats, we get a different feel altogether. So this isn't exactly syncopation. Typically the weaker beats are the ones that are like the and of one, two, three, and four or something like that. But in this case, if we're going to have a strong downbeat, then the weak beats would be two and four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Of course, that puts us in marching mode and it's I'll fly away, not I'll march away. So we need to add some levity to that. We need to raise that up and make it a bit more bouncy. So that's where the accents on two and four come in. One, two, three, four. That afterbeat, one, two, three, four, the so-called weak beats will all of a sudden give us the desire to groove. melody going on it's really pure sustain one two three and four and 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 so it's two quarter notes and then four eighth notes one two three and four and or one two you know, uh, to swing it. One, two, three, and four, and one, two, three, and four, and... And that's what I'm using there. And when that sustains going on, you've got something in the background that uh, is still combining and presenting this rhythm that you can dance to. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, with that in mind, oftentimes, instead of trying to switch back and forth between 16 notes, eight notes, quarter notes, my hand's usually always grooving to a 16th note over here. Cadence always going, but I can lay down whenever I want to, you know. Which is why it's super important to feel really comfortable with your 16-note cadence. Because then you can pick and choose out of the 16 notes. You can grab eight notes. You can grab quarter notes. You can grab combinations. But to restart the hand and jump into 16s and then come back again, that can be a little cumbersome. Not impossible, but it can be cumbersome. So I like to keep my motor running in 16 but pull from it what I need. And I just find that to be a little easier. And uh, as a lot of the other people I've talked to, a lot of uh, other ins- instructors and performers, uh, have much the same thing to say about that. Easier to keep the engine running than to try and start the engine into a higher rev when you need it. I hope that makes a lot of sense. Keep your 16 notes close and ready to use when you are putting stuff together, absolutely now we've got strumming and of course that's going to be a lot of high energy things now do we have to always strum can we break that up of course we can in fact a more dynamic approach is going to happen when we treat a piece of music as a play or a or a, or a movie with different acts you know and different parts and different arcs and things like that so we may come in with a song and be very very strong on the strumming end with it <laughs> the first and want to do something more like this. Mixing in a little bit of arpeggiating with your strumming and uh, you know you can go in a number of different directions, walk things back in. I really love Uh, doing a walk down from G to D major. I'll walk the bass down from G to F sharp to E to D, and then walk that G, um, a slash chord, first inversion of a D major chord with the F sharp on the bass, D with the uh, walk down to E, and then finally to this. Notice I pick towards me and I also lead off with the bass each time because at this point the melody isn't the star, it's the bass solo that's leading us. The bass is leading us down into another chord and so the bass at that point is stepping forward to make itself a bit of a solo instrument before going into another part of the melody. Coming in and sweeping across with some arpeggios when you're doing some strums, and, uh, and soloing off of some of the other strings is another way of getting a great, great dynamic approach to what you're doing here. Hammer-ons and pull-offs that we often use. Some Hammer-ons, pull-offs. One of my favorite things to do with hammer-ons and pull-offs is to add a bit more motion inside of chords when I'm playing them, and uh, a great way to do that is to use suspended chords. Uh, So let's hear a G major chord is right here, if you have a one and a half fret, you can easily make this a G suspended four chord by moving from uh, B to C. also take that B down, open to A, and you can get a G suspended two chord. That's actually the basis now, this hammer-on pull-off. I'm actually more, it's more of a hammer-on. Uh, this is a basis for a tune I've written called um, Only a Northwest Song. It's a song about uh, Northwest Airlines trying to destroy one of my full craft dulcimers. and I use a hammer-on on the G In fact, I use a hammer-on from from, a suspended two chord, G suspended two chord, I then go up to a uh, G suspended four chord and then back again. And it makes a very instantly recognizable little riff. So having that little thing, in fact, I make it a habit now of doing uh, G major three one zero chords, B minor two one zero chords, and I love to just bring that middle string in a little bit late with a hammer on. It sounds really cool. Just an additional little flourish, you know. Hammer ons work awesome. In the context of a rhythm, pull-offs do as well, and even if you're just doing a lot of picking and strumming, removing the need to pick at least one note can be very powerful in terms of ergonomics, timing, space, where the hand needs to be. And uh, so we have a, so there we have a hammer-on, and then a pull-off right after it. So in the terms of a tune, maybe like a Sandy River Bell. There's my little hammer on there. couple of different things here. I'm using the hammer-on pull-off. I'm also strumming all the way across the strings. I'm also arpeggiating a little bit and also doing a bit of selective strumming. Let me slow it way down so you can see what's taking place here. Pull-offs. Well actually a lot more pull-offs than I remember actually doing. just really adds a nice little chugga-chugga-chugga uh, to what you're doing. Something else I'm doing down here I'd like to show you is the right-hand palm mute, as well as the left-hand mute or dam. So right down here is what I'm doing to get that, that that sound here. What I'm doing is I'm taking the heel of my hand and I'm laying it right directly on top of the bridge. I mean, directly on top of it. And then I'm rolling my hand forward when my hand rolls forward the pick is going to be right there at the edge of the strum hollow. Now everyone's hand is different so your placement you'll have to practice it a little bit to get it there and what's going to happen is I'm going to strum and you'll notice I still get tone. We can hear the notes. You can hear all the individual strings but the drone sustain has gone away. We've actually uh, Taken away the sustain a bit. We've muted, damped those a bit. They're not quite muted. They are damped though, like a piano pedal, a damper pedal. It kind of takes that down a little bit. It also rounds the sound a little bit and makes it warmer and a bit richer as opposed to a shinier and more trebly, a higher pitched sound. It rounds things out. So if you're doing things that need a, a different flavor right off the bat, that's a good way to do it. Now, if you roll your hand forward and you get in zip, like that, just noise, sometimes that can be desirable because we can play with pure percussion at that point. And that's a lot of fun. But if we actually wanna to get tone, just back your hand up a little bit and then roll it forward and try again. Once you get that tone, of course, you'll still be able to play chords, melody, You're just going to be able to tamp down that tone a bit and take the sustain out and that's going to make for some really, really interesting uh, uh, movements and coordination together. So I like using that right hand palm mute to change the timbre, the tone, and also to remove the sustain and just give me kind of a different feel. Uh, So I can be playing a tune, we were playing Soldier's Joy earlier. I come through, I might change it up a little bit. And so a different flavor, different character for the music, a little quieter, a little bit more contained. So if you're re- repeating a song a lot over and over again, maybe you come in with the right hand palm mute to sort of dynamically change the tone and the feel a little bit. With the left hand, there's a lot of interesting things you can do. First, you can just lay it on the strings. That frees you up to do a lot of percussive stuff. I do that a lot uh, when I'm playing tunes that need a little extra uh, drum kit action. And you can do that with chords. So one of the great things to do with this is to play a closed chord, meaning make sure that all strings are being touched. I'll use a C major at this point. Okay, I'm pushing down on all three strings. I've got a nice C major chord happening. Now, if I lift my fingers up off of the fretboard, but leave them on the strings, I get pure percussion, right? no notes whatsoever. So if I want to shorten these chords up a little bit, instead of playing them like this, I can shorten things up by taking my fingers up off the fretboard and just using the strings as percussion. So I can make things more staccato. Now I can lift up off the strings, or off the fretboard, leave them on the strings and get short. I can also use the heel of my hand and do it down here and not lift my fingers at all. If it's a coordination issue, just do it this way. It's very, very cool stuff, especially if you're playing Ska, you know. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you're a big No Doubt fan, you need to learn that. Um, after beats are simple. Two and four, again, press down on two and four. Strum four quarter notes. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Suddenly you've got chops. So I could go, uh, boil them cabbage down boys, turn them whole cakes round, the only song that I can sing is boil them cabbage down, boil them cabbage down boys, turn them whole cakes round, the only song that I can sing is boil them cabbage down. So you can create really interesting rhythmic chord effects by chopping them a little bit, by using that little trick right there. And uh, also you can use your right hand as well to shorten those strings up and add pauses, add those breaks, those rests, and holds as well uh, to give some more variety to your music. Finally, uh, for you advanced players out there, we do a lot of straight stuff in the western musical world. We do a lot of 4-4, 2-4, straight on the money kind of stuff. syncopation, as we mentioned earlier, is where we take the emphasis away from the strong beats and we put them more towards the weak beats. The the beats that we don't normally count out. So typically that's going to be um, ands. One and, two and, three and. The true after beats where we divide a quarter note into half and we get these two eighth notes. That first eighth note is still going to be very strong because our one, two, three, four count is pretty strong for a lot of different types of music it's the ands that are a bit weak. So if we shift our emphasis to where we're really emphasizing those weak beats, we get what's known as syncopation. We get push rhythms. We get notes that begin early. We get notes that hang out a little bit later on. We get rhythms that are a little bit more groovy and slippy-slidey. Good examples of uh, push rhythms are anything that comes from the West Indies or uh, the Caribbean or the Bahamas. There's kind of a lull sleigh kind of thing going on, you know. da 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 da, da. Man, there would not be a Gulf and Western uh, genre if it wasn't for this type of thing going on. Um, So one of the things you can do to kind of train yourself just to go for it is to play a lot of rhythms based on songs in your head and don't worry about where the downbeats are and things like that. Push and move and make the emphasis where you feel is necessary. A good example of doing something like that would be me messing around with um, me messing around with Norwegian wood. I do this a lot because Norwegian wood's easy to do this with so normal Norwegian wood does this <laughs> mess around with a little bit and uh and uh, you'll see so we go like this some strangeness right there. Every once in a while I'll play that tune out somewhere and then I'll do that version of it and watch people try and follow. (laughs) I'm bad, I know. So anyway, try that. Try off-roading and don't read music, don't think about a tune you really know particular, you know, just kind of move willy-nilly like. Just sort of do it when you want to do it. That is move, right? Because the more fluid we are with calling up ideas for grooves or feelings for grooves, gut feelings for grooves, and being able to act upon those as soon as we feel them is going to take a lot of the guesswork out of what we do rhythmically with the instrument. If we're writing a new song or if we're trying to figure out an existing tune uh, or playing a, just a classical uh, chestnut and applying stuff to it, we would love to be able to take most of our computing power and apply it to what we're doing melodically harmonically, chord, dully. We don't want to think too much about the rhythm because we want to be able to feel it, internalize it, and then turn it on so that we can provide a foundation for everything else that we're doing. And the only way to do that is to do it a lot. Do it often, mess around with it, and then emulate the things that you're hearing on the radio or your CDs that your favorite artist are putting out. Don't look at the music. Don't search for it on the internet listen to it, get it in here, get it in here, internalize it, know it backwards and forwards, and then set it loose with your strum practice and just emulate the album, the whole album in your head, and just make it happen. When you come across the uh, idea that you are a one-handed drummer, basically, doing all of this work, then I think a lot of the, uh, the principles of rhythm will fall into place when you realize that so much of what we're doing with two hands, two drumsticks, is all going to come into what we're doing with just the one hand. With some assistance from the left hand or if the right hand if you're a southpaw. The two of them working in concert together to provide the most maximum of experiences. I hope you've enjoyed this. There's a lot of stuff going on in the advanced level uh, approach. But then again, you guys are advanced level. So hopefully this is just something that you've already been doing and just needed a reminder about. And if not, uh, if you have any questions about some of these things, I have exercises for just about everything. But I think it's really effective to remember one core thing. When it comes down to the rhythm, you don't want to have to look at it. You don't want to have to think about it. You want to be able to process it, feel it, sense it, internalize it and then just put it back out there. The best way to do that is to simply do it. So hopefully you'll do a lot of that playing along with uh, your favorite music and then adding it into whatever it is that you're doing with the dulcimer. Thank you guys so much. Our next uh, week's episode is an all skill level event. We'll be talking about some uh, uh, time signatures and some exercises to sort of get mindless, thoughtless about what we're doing rhythmically, so we can expand our mind and our capabilities in other areas. Please do join me, and thanks once again for visiting me on Dulce America. I'm gonna go out with something wild and weird. What's wild and weird?
1: Hmm.